0: This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexipol.com, that's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Now let's get into the show.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the better every shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzo. I am a fire lieutenant now in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm also a writer and contributor to Fire Rescue One. And with me on this podcast, as always, I am uh, giving her promotion up to the Colonel now. Colonel Colonel Janelle Fosquette. How are we doing today, Janelle?
0: I'm doing great. How are you, Aaron?
1: I'm good don't you like I just automatically give you a promotion because I know
0: appreciate it I do have to
1: say you were just awarded um some uh editorial awards for all your work in the past year of fire rescue one I want to congratulate you there we also have a podcast uh which we're on right now that got an honorable mention and that is pretty much because of you uh anybody behind the scenes knows it's not because of me but uh it really comes down to those people reading and listening, but I want to congratulate you for all your hard work. Along with us, though, of course, is uh, our guest today. And today we are, we're blessed actually with Battalion Chief Lauren McCullough. She is uh, got a fascinating story. And uh, she is just a very interesting individual, very smart. And uh, we are happy to have you here, Chief. How are you today?
2: You're doing great. I hope you guys are.
1: Yes. Uh, you know, Janelle, of course, gets caught off guard when I embarrass her with all the different accolades that she gets, but um, she is very good and, and is a driving force behind this and getting you here. And your story is, we're going to dig into it, but I, I want to set the table a little bit, give people a little bit, bit of a background about you. You um are, again, are in Salisbury Fire Department. You actually report to Chief Nick Martin, who is also a friend of the show here, and you're very passionate about building relationships and, and really getting the most out of uh, your team. And and that's rooted in uh, some of your ex- early experiences within the fire service. And, and your fire service experience actually started in uh, 2007 as a fire control specialist. And then you worked your way through the ranks of, gosh, firefighter, engineer, lieutenant, captain. And now you're a, a BC. Uh, you just got your undergraduate degree in fire and emergency management. And uh, you seem to just be continually growing and uh, developing as a leader and as an individual, and it all started on a on a fateful day, um, way back when when you began kind of uh, in the fire service in the front lines. Um, before we we tackle that, just um, give me a little idea what what actually got you interested in the fire service to begin with.
2: Um, I started actually when I was 14 um, as a junior firefighter in one of our local volunteer houses. Um, Honestly, I saw the ambulance go by and thought, man, that's what I want to do. We had one training where it was EMT training, my very first one. I loved it. And then after that, it started fire training, fire training, fire training, fire training, and I fell in love with it. So after, after that, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So the moment I turned 18, that's when I started it.
1: So you started in in the fire control side at age 18, and then when did you get into firefighter into the field? How old were you?
2: 18. Yeah, 18. That's the same. Okay. Yeah, it's the same it, as, yeah.
1: Okay. So you're 18 years old, <laughs> just out of high school, and, and anybody in the family ever been in the fire service? Nope. Nope. I'm the first one. And what did they think of that? <laughs>
2: My my mom, honestly, was the funniest one because from 14 to 18, it was volunteer. So she just, when I was like so excited I got the career job, I knew what that meant. And um, she was like, oh, honey, it's just another, you know, volunteer place. You're not going to be able to make a living, like just really trying to teach me what the fire service was. And she had no idea. (laughs) So she didn't think it was a real, real career. So um, I kind of had to explain that it's actual money, it's actual benefits, it's actual, you know, life that's going to, retirement, that's going to continue on. And so um, confused at first, I would say, but very, very happy uh, throughout my growing career.
1: Did anybody else in the family try to talk you out of it? I mean, it sounds like you had to educate them as you were trying to get hired at the same time, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I never had to do any of that. They knew that I was, I've always been very adventurous anyway, so nothing would surprise them.
1: So let's talk about your very first fire. We're, I mean, we're just going to dig right into this because I, yeah, sure. I this is what really is fascinating. Um, you are kind of activated in the field for three months or so and you, your first fire. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so I'll, I'll even back up a little bit from there. Um, in my recruit academy, it was kind of a... Um, it wasn't it wasn't quite the department wasn't quite to the point to where they were sending people to recruit academies as just the department so they would send uh, the couple that they had they would hire people send a couple to the community college so um, they sent me and another guy from salisbury fire department to this recruit academy and um, that that was vic eisler that was my buddy that was my partner he was from new york he had to reget. He had to get his certifications redone here in North Carolina, trying to settle down. So um, he was on a B shift, and um, that's when he was on the the squad. Him and another guy was on a squad, and that is uh, that is one of our line of duty deaths that we had. In my very first fire. So we had two. My experience in that as a recruit firefighter was completely just green so i i literally tell when i told my fire chiefs that i was going to start talking about my story coming out um this is 15 years later that i was going to start talking about it i even had to tell them you know like look i'm going to talk about it from an experience that just i had on this fire scene and it may be completely different to everybody else's on that fire scene so i i I even asked like permission to start talking about it almost because it is going to be completely different so um honestly on the fire ground it was pick up this line pick up this hose move it over here spray in this window throw this ladder do these things and i had no idea what was going on i was just yes sir yes sir yes sir following all the instructions and uh, the mayday went out again had no clue of the reality of what was happening um had you done Honestly. some training
1: on maydays in yeah. your academy a little bit? Even, like they, yeah, they that, mentioned that it. That went
2: through my head. Yeah, that went through my mind of, oh yeah, these these happen, right? We train on these. These happen. We bring them out. If we don't, we open up all the doors and we we start over. You know, you know those those kind of just absolutely inexperienced moments. I specifically remember going through my head.
1: And so you're on a line, is it this a, a single family home or a multiple? No, this was
2: actually a um, saw mill work.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. So large large structure, defensive Correct. operations kind of going on. And so you're on a hose line and the Mayday comes out.
2: Right. So we you mentioned the defensive, um, which I mean I, I preach on in command now, but um, we did go defensive at one point so um, the main bulk of the fire was in the basement of the office area the office was above It is kind of the main entrance and then everything to the far right was all where they did the loading dock and stuff like that so um one of our officers asked hey can we go back in this way kind of cut it off from the loading dock just make sure that it just stays right here and that's where they ended up perishing that's that floor collapsed it it went crazy through the, I've never seen fire, never, ever, even till now, travel that fast. But when it caught that sawdust, it just went from one end to the other and they just got caught right in the middle.
1: So two firefighters down at that with the Mayday?
2: Three right. firefighters down Three. with the Mayday. Okay. Yeah. One, the captain got pulled out and he is, he is doing great now. Um, retired all the, all the things that that comes with. Um, but the other two did perish in the fire.
1: So you're on a line, you hear the mayday, this is going on, what what kind of response did you have to this? Or, or what, what was kind of going on? Like, in your mind, you're saying, it's just another mayday, we, we drill on these things. And okay. then so now here's okay. the reality, take us through that.
2: Right. So um, reality really didn't hit me until um, my firefighter that was beside me telling me where to go, everything, all these things, we put the hose, hose lines down. And we go to the ambulance and he's like hey get on i was like get on like i'm not even emt what are you talking about i don't what are you talking about you know so we we get on we just sit there and all of a sudden a stretcher with a firefighter comes on that ambulance that's when reality hit so we're ripping gear off getting everything done just trying to check the status and that's when i look him in the eyes and it's big <laughs> So that that's the heart heart-wrenching part. Yeah. That's yeah. the reality part. My, my voice is really shaky right now. I'm trying to hold it back, but, um, it's part of the, it's part of it.
1: Yeah. So you're, you're young. I mean, you're 18, you're, yeah. you're one real kind of compadre in this whole thing is now on a cot and, uh, you started doing compressions, CPR, right? Doing whatever you could yeah. at that point. Correct. Yep.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So s- I was over airway at the, at the top and um my firefighter that was with me was doing compressions the whole way
1: okay so what a, uh yeah where do you even begin right like <laughs> yeah. so y- did you transport you with them as they transported to the hospital then
2: yeah yeah okay. we went all the way to the hospital and um, dropped him off there and um that's kind of where we hung out for a little bit and it's and it's bits and pieces after that as far as what happened because that's yeah. when everything just started settling
1: yeah when what do you remember about like like you said you're just kind of i, I remember this and then did are there things that you've gone back and played in your head at all and, and oh my god i don't remember that and or i didn't remember that at the time
2: oh there's <laughs> there's plenty of it there's there's plenty of moments that we had um even the other firefighter coming in. Um, I remember him specifically coming in, but I don't remember um, everybody, anybody else coming in. I remember the stretcher coming in, and I remember that there was a flag over top of him. that He had already been pronounced well after. Um, but it is, I mean, it is so splotchy between then and there. And um, there, was, there was even more moments where I don't even know how I ended up in, but like, I guess the fire chief needed somebody and and grabbed me i'm not even sure this is just one of this the memories that i had is i was in one of the um like the family rooms and i thought i was being put in the family room for for me and for for just a chill moment try to get out of the atmosphere and then um the other firefighter justin's mom came in and so i i experienced the fire chief tell her that her son had passed away and so it's like so much going on and just so much to, to carry all at one time, just process. So.
0: Oh man. And going back, just if if you don't mind for a sec to the transport, you're in the ambulance. Did you think that in that moment, were you thinking, Oh, we're going to be able to save him? Or did you kind of know in that moment he was gone?
2: Um, he really didn't look terrible. Like he didn't look burned. He didn't look um, injured hardly at all. So I really had no idea. I I obviously wasn't experienced in in medical either at all. I I mean, that was my very first CPR I've ever done in my life. And so I I had no idea. I really had no idea what the outcome was going to be on this, but that's when I knew it was real and it was serious.
1: Yeah. So you go from this kind of uh academy where we and we just mentioned like yeah we trained for maydays and it was like oh we always pull the firefighter out and you know and then right. they they get up and they then they do the thing yeah around. right <laughs>
2: yeah right
1: and and so now you're you're in the hospital you're having to witness you know your chief uh talk to the family you're in the middle of all this and you mentioned you know you're you're Thought at one point you were going to a room for you. Did that ever that moment ever get to you? Like where you're able to just kind of sit and 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 figure out and process or try to start that that kind of um, processing?
2: Um, probably not. Not that I can recall. Like once we got kind of escorted back to the firehouse, the firehouse was full, so I have no idea what the time length was between the hospital. And when I got back to the fire station, but it was, I mean, the entire Bay was full of people just everywhere. So that was overwhelming too. Um, at that point, his wife came up to me and asked, was there anything else y'all could have done? Is there more? How bad was he? Stuff like that. Just all the, all the questions that, that nobody had answers to.
1: Nobody. And I, I go back to you're an 18 year old kid at at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, not a lot of life experience to help prep you for this. I mean, nobody has a lot of experience to prep you for that. And so you're thrown into this. And uh, so let's, let's go through kind of the next phase of this is starting to just kind of figure out what happened and, and the whys. And so like, take us through kind of the next six months, what was going on with you and, and, and what did you start to feel? and, um, you know anything that, that you remember within that next kind of six months period
2: well they gave us um, if I remember right a couple weeks off completely um, I had a hard time ever leaving the fire station so it was ended up I ended up being like made to leave and um, of course we had other departments helping out with with that but um, when we got back it was very different very different environment. Um, A third of the people were involved with the actual incident. Um, A lot of people stayed after, of course, um, still putting the fire out. And so there's different parts of involvement where people were and that they want to talk about. And um, honestly, I stayed quiet most of the time just because I still hadn't processed most of it at all. And I I honestly, shamefully almost have been quiet for for this long.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Did you ever think of not coming back?
2: no no i don't know why no everybody in the department thought that didn't tell me that in the moment but no i i really didn't i just thought maybe this is what it is maybe this is what the fire service is and you just don't hear about it maybe this is just normal and so clearly it's not
1: <laughs> but yeah but that's but that was all your mindset
2: that's all yeah. i had yeah
1: that's all you had to hang your hat on yeah. so have you really had a chance to process it
2: Honestly, um, yes, I have in a way, because other people experienced um, the same fire. But um, it really, for me to share my story, what inspired me to share my story is a few years ago, uh, Through we've been doing our our recruit academies just at a bigger bulk and 100 percent our department, which is fairly new to us. And so um, I heard through the grapevine that, that the instructors were sharing my story and this is why we do what we do and I was like why are they sharing my story I, I should be sharing my story and that's that's pretty much what inspired me to to kind of open up and honestly um writing everything writing scripts for uh, conferences and stuff like that has really helped me process most of it and this is 15 and a half years later
1: hmm well, we appreciate you being here and talking about it. Hopefully this helps you a little bit, yeah, you know, absolutely. like, yeah. So, uh, what kind of things were they saying and did that bother you at all? Like, other than the fact that you should be the one saying, I agree a hundred percent, like, were they conveying the message you wanted to maybe convey yourself
0: or wasn't even well, accurate?
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. And, and it's, it's people that weren't even there. Now this instructor I have shared my story with, and I, I mean, he's my training officer and. I absolutely love him to death. So, yes, he did it right. It just hit me to a point of where, holy crap, why am I not doing this? I mean, it was more shameful on myself than it was on the people that were doing it. They should. They ask, The story should be there. They, sh- they should understand why they're going through the crap they go for, for for so many months. And, I mean, just having that personal story in the firehouse, if I wasn't sharing it, it needed to be shared either way
0: what is it that makes you feel ashamed You uh, you've used that word a couple times mm-hmm. about not talking about it? Like what, where does that come from?
2: Well, I just, it's a mindset that we preach. I mean, from before when I was at, at Soulsbury Fire department, it's a, the mindsets we, we train all the time. We do all these things and people talk about that stuff all the time, but there's not many people that have the experience that back that talking And I do, and I I just have held it in for so long.
0: What what was it like though? When you mentioned the inspiration to start talking about it, but actually finding your own voice and being comfortable in your own voice, what was that experience like for you? Once you said, "Okay, this is my story. I'm going to tell," was that uncomfortable at first? And like, kind of, (laughs) how did you find your footing in that?
2: Yeah, I'm still I'm still fairly new in it. Um, I haven't done it on like a big stage yet, which I do I do plan on doing that um, in February. So that'll be my first big stage um, to do that. And and it's not. It's more of the story is a good story, and it'll change a lot of people's mindset in the firehouse. It's whether I can promote that and tell the story correctly to a point to where it does. It does change people's mindset for the fire service, but um, the first time I ever talked about it was literally off the hip. It was at a a camp, a little, um, I guess it's 12 to 18 year old girls camp, firefighter camp in Aurora, uh, Colorado. We had like an hour to spare. I literally was just shadowing the program. So I wasn't even really an instructor there. I was just shadowing what this awesome girl was doing with this program. I wanted to bring it back to Salisbury. And um, so she said, well, we have like an hour to like waste some time. And and across every girl's shirt said per- persevere. And so she was like, we're going to talk about all of our experiences in this, all these female firefighters. And we're going to start with um, how did you persevere in your in your career in the very early stages i was like oh gosh (laughs) i'll go last (laughs) so (laughs) i was like don't don't start with me i need some time for this so really it was just it was just i was put on the spot that was the only story that was gonna come to mind i couldn't even make anything else up there's it's just right in my face and that was the first time i had actually shared my story
0: Wow, and what a what a word to be uh, emblazoned on the shirts, right? <laughs> yes, oh, uh, yeah. quite a connection. Well, and everything it feels like we talk so much more now about perseverance and resilience, mm-hmm. and there can be very like intentional work on those mm-hmm. things. Do you feel like over the past fifteen years, it's just kind of happened organically for you, or have have you been very intentional in trying to like build that perseverance after what happened?
2: It's, it's definitely been I think a build for sure. I've I've had to go through understanding what happened. Um, understand why why I was put in the place that I was put in. Um, just questioning all of that and um, just believing that that experience is just because I can I can handle it and I can I can move it on to help other people. I mean I take that as a life lesson too. I mean that's any experience with my life um i really believe that i go through just to help other people
1: yep but you got to tell it right and that's why that's where that right that's kind of where you're Mm -hmm. like hey this is my story this is and and right away you 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 get the attention of the room and the perseverance is uh, yes i mean you're 18 years old that happens on your first fire and you come back and and you get you're you're more driven i mean obviously from there you just continually educated yourself and applied yourself. So let's dig in. What's the story? I mean, what else do you want people to know about this? Especially what do you want them to know? Not necessarily about you, but what to take away and how, how they can apply it to themselves.
2: Right. So, um, really it's, it's grown through my career. I mean, as soon as I'm thinking about going up for engineer or backup driver, that's the first thing I think of is, can I really pump the millwork fire? Can I really mm-hmm. handle that? Yeah, you know, I mean, the next level Lieutenant, can I really be that officer on the line? Could I really take somebody in the millwork fire? I mean, that, that is literally, and even now, um, assessing other, other departments. I mean, people ask me to come in and assess, and that is huge to my heart. Like, are they ready for this? Do they feel like they're ready for this? And uh, you can't just say, can you do the bread and butter house? You know, it's, can you do the Salisbury millwork? And especially now, um, I've never done a critique on the command side, but I can imagine just things that I've heard or that I heard on the fire, things operationally, I can't imagine. I can imagine doing command, like being in command of this fire, but I cannot imagine the outcome of that fire, and and I'm going to prevent everything I can to do that
1: what's the what's the biggest takeaway uh you know look, you just said you you look back at the command side you know you look back at uh probably just i'm sure you reevaluated your own performance and what you did that that day is there anything you would have done different
2: as far as the millwork fire
1: yeah personally uh, yeah you
2: <laughs> no i i didn't even like literally was following i was a puppet it was nothing but a puppet. And, and we as officers have to understand that that is what these green firefighters are. These 18-year-olds coming in are literally going to listen to every word you say. It doesn't matter what. Like, if they would have told me to go in and do this, I'd have done, I'd have done that. Whatever it is, that, that's literally what I was going to do. No, I, I have no idea what I would change, nor do I. I, like, I literally spray water in the window. Yes, sir. <laughs> like mm-hmm. how can mm-hmm. you you can't change that right There's nothing.
0: right yeah well you we had talked before this call a little bit about the fire and you had mentioned that literally every decision in your career since then has it's like what you were talking about with the promotions it's like could I pump at this fire could I run command at this but it's it's even more in the weeds than that right? And in terms of like every decision you make is sort of rooted in that early experience. Can you kind of speak to that a little bit?
2: Yeah. So I I actually had my first like flashback experience. We had a school fire about probably six months ago and, um, I was sitting in the command unit and in command of the entire incident. And, um, we had firefighters going in. It's just literally smoke showing, um, and they're going in, they're saying, high heat, high, low visibility, hole in the floor, can't find the fire, all these radio communications that are screaming mayday without saying the word mayday. And so even those experiences alone, like that's, that, that's tactical withdrawal. That's, we need to get out of there. So the, even, even, that's the position I'm in now and what I can relate to right this moment. Is being in command and not letting that happen. I can't, I can't sit here and prepare people to take on a line of duty death, but we can do everything to prepare for prevention of a line of duty death.
1: Yeah, so let's let's dig into that a little bit. What do you want people? You know, you said, are you ready for this fire? And I think if if anybody who's listening to this says there's there's gotta be one that sticks out for them personally or in their area, right, mm-hmm. uh, would you recommend, say, take that that fire and put yourself in those shoes and can you handle that? Like, is that where you start with people? I mean, to, to try to get them to dig into, you know, improving their performance, being motivated kind of thing?
2: Yeah, really, I think it, it all starts in the firehouse. What are you occupying your time with when you're not running calls? And I understand everybody's running thousands and thousands of calls, but there is downtime to train your mindset, and that is huge inside the firehouse, then we don't need to be sitting in recliners and waiting on the call. Um, for us at Salisbury Fire Department, we've we've got rookie packets where you start out with, I mean, six months of pretty hardcore information, a lot of information, and you're tested on that. Now, the first five months, you're tested on it, and you have to pass it at 80%. But when you come to the sixth month and you test on all of it, it's a hundred percent pass rate. So you have, like, you have to get a hundred percent in order to go through your probationary period. So there's, and it, these packets are are pretty intense. They're forty five questions a month or so, and it's street tests at the end of it, at the end of each month. I mean, it it's it's pretty pretty big, and it even it the very I think it's the second month dips into like friction loss and nozzle pressures and stuff like that and like they're preparing them for the next phase that they don't even know they're about to hit you know mm-hmm. and so um, preparing that and, and making those packets for each level and what that all occupies doing um, after incident reports we we do after action plans or af- after action reports every single fire or major incident that we have so all of our officers will will send in, their after action report and detailed telling exactly what they did, exactly what um, their actions were, their firefighters actions were, what they did great, what they didn't do great. And then we get the recordings, we compile all the information as battalion chiefs, and we do a full PIR post incident report. And then our post incident reports get reviewed by the division chief and they send it out to the entire department to learn from our own stuff. So, um, and then, of course, we have our monthly training that we have different kind of um, mayday. We'll read over different maydays. We'll read over different close calls. We'll read over different line of duty deaths and um, I'll discuss it in some form, in some matter, and have to sign off on the fact that we did do that with our companies.
1: And it's embedded in your culture. Was that part yep. of your culture when you first got on?
2: To a point, the training part, yes as far as how like the organized training no like organized as a department training no that is that is fairly new within the last six years or so but um, we've always been known as a training department that we have always thrown ladders and and laid lines every single day but um, as far as it actually being organized and actually put together as a department that's fairly new
1: which is huge because I I know there's people listening to this go, well, you know, my that's, that's all fine and dandy, but my, my guys or or my crew, my gal, whatever they they're going to ask, well, why are we doing this? You know? And, and you go back to, we're doing this because I was in this situation and and just when you don't think you're going to need it, you're going to. And I, I I think, I, I love that because especially if you look around what's going on in the fire service with lithium ion batteries, there's mass casualty incidents there's now different types of building construction that's still starting on fire there are so many different things to learn from new york had a crane fire i mean Mm -hmm. every community has cranes at one point in them you know uh, do you know and are you ready to to handle that right and 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 that's where you're talking about like just put yourself in some scenarios and figure out how we can mitigate them safely correct
2: right right we even like uh, we a lot of people give us a hard time for it, but we, we really don't care. Um, fire alarm activations, every ladder truck sets up. And I mean to the full extent sets up, we get a roof report and everything. We can be done with the incident, false alarm, we can be done with the incident, and the battalion chief is still on that ops channel waiting on that roof report. That way they get a rep in with a roof report, they get a rep in with any any opportunity that they have. I mean we have dormitories, we have different industrials, different everything. If it's residential they're throwing the ladders they're not setting up the the aerial but they're putting it in a place where they can if it goes defensive you have those options all the time like we run thousands mm-hmm. of calls i think we're on track for twelve thousand calls this year you have so many opportunities to do that why are people waiting till the real one is there to set their truck up
0: that's so yeah. smart building those sets and reps you know yeah. every opportunity you get that's great Mm
1: -hmm. Well, let's talk about something that you're really passionate about, and that's relationships. And I'm going to relate the two because we were talking off off camera, as I always do, as Janelle starts (laughs) to laugh, um, that right, you may have people that, oh, I don't want to do that, Chief. That's just a waste of our energy and time. And there's maybe maybe it's not that they really feel that. Maybe there's something else going on. Right. Like sometimes it's about communication, why we're doing something and how that can make everybody better. And that's something you're really passionate about is really trying to talk to people and and find out what drives them. Right. And or what doesn't drive them. Correct.
2: Right. Right. So my my goal is for all of my officers. I have seven under me and um, all of them to have the same passions. Right. Like you want them to operate smoothly. My guys, I cannot complain a bit. They operate so well together. And they call each other out because they can if they do mess up because they have the, they have those relationships um i i really i can't preach it enough that relationships don't just they're not just the firehouse relationships you it's you it's got to grow it's got to be consistent you've got to be able to control that and in and out of the firehouse now my, my biggest promotion for relationships is um, a lot of people talk about uh, buddy to boss and it being two separate things, and I just completely disagree with it. I think there has to be a very good, solid foundation, and it has to be a good mixture of them both because I can tell my best friend, my best buddy, very hard information and them take it well so that's a mixture of both you can have those hard conversations much much easier if you have that relationship with them that's why i get such good and high performance out of my guys is because the expe- expectations are there it's consistent it's not changing it's not going anywhere and they perform at that level every single time at the the small minute moments i have to say something it's corrected pretty quick so they know what to do they know what i'm what i'm expected i've trained them on my job so they understand i mean i've trained them even to the command boards that we use so that they know what i'm looking i'm looking for this when i when you say this i mark this when you say this i mark this this way you know it's they really know every part of my job i know every part of their job i've been there so it's just being completely transparent completely open with all of that. And that's, that is a daily task in that relationship.
1: So here's the million dollar question. And I, as a new officer and, and some other people that are new officers, you got that foundation. What is the first thing you do? What's the, what do you build that foundation on then?
2: So I really start like personal, like, I just want to know who you are specifically, like, who are you? What's your family like? What do you like to do in your downtime? those little things. Like I remember being the, I remember being a new officer. I'm like, okay, these are the things that I learned in this conference. I have to do this and this. What is your one year plan? What is your five year plan? Mm. But um, my, my thing at this point in my career is how can I support them? How can I get them where they want to be? I do want to know where you want to be. Like, where do you want to be in five years? If this person and I even asked this to my firefighters. Uh, if this person says, I want to ride backwards my entire career, cool. That's great. I'll support it in however I can. But you have this other firefighter right beside him that says, I want to be a fire chief one day. You're going to train them completely different. Com- very much the same on the fire ground, but very different in the management world. So you're going to push them to different conferences. You're going to push them to different classes and, in different ways. So you manage them completely different. So figuring out who they are personally and help them track through their entire career is how you start that foundation.
1: So let's go back to building your own foundation for a second, if you don't mind. So processing this and, you know, the trauma of your very first fire, how have you worked on the relationship kind of with yourself since that and, and the recovery part of that?
2: Well, (laughs) um, I I really give myself a hard time whenever I, um, like I said before, whenever I promote, every single promotion, like, I will, I'll bad talk. Are you really ready? Are you seriously ready? Like, there's no way. And um, so I, I would, I'm always in conferences. I'm always uh, trying to better myself. I, I do, I make myself go to two conferences a year. I'm involved with um, help run a conference here in Charlotte. Um, but just going to those and really pushing myself Keeps me on track. Keeps me um, really going.
1: Well, well. Let me. Like, did you do EAP? Did you like a? Was that any a therapy? Anything like that? Did you? Did that ever come to your your mind, or is it something that um, was offered at all, or anything you've ever kind of? Yeah. So
0: of?
2: I, I do remember specifically. Like, I do remember walking into the debriefing room. Now, whether it was the day of or two weeks later, I don't, I really don't remember when it was, but I do remember walking into that room, full, full room, and the fire chief going, that one, (laughs) you know, that one Mm. right there, and I was already, like, overwhelmed and walked out, you know, like, it's, it's not even, like, I don't want this to be about me, this is not. Not at all about me. So I, I literally, I remember walking out of the debriefing. Never heard any of it. Um, yes, I was offered EAP. I was offered all the things. Um, for me, I'm, I'm big in my faith. Uh, I do believe that there's a, a greater God, and um, that's really how I've gotten through any experience in my life. Honestly.
1: Yeah, and you were talking about some very solid friendships,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and uh, you know, family. You talked about family relationships at all. And uh, you know the other side about just building resilience. Like, what else do you do to help you stay resilient?
2: <laughs> just work every third day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do it for me. No, they just experience in the in the fire service in general um, has built my resilience. One one call at a time, one ride up at a time, one any anything in the firehouse has built that completely. Um, just simply doing the right things, mainly just trying to focus on doing the right things all the time has built that.
0: Yeah. I think, so not- and I think it's important to note that sometimes it is about the individual, though. Even if you weren't the one specifically injured in an incident or the family that's going through something in the most extreme possible scenario, it's okay you know, for people to acknowledge what has impacted them. And I think that's such a classic thing that we hear from firefighters, right? Is like, is we're just doing our job, you know? Yeah. It's not about me, but but it's okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to to recognize that something does impact you. I just, I guess I just wanna say that for our listeners too, you know? Yeah. yeah.
1: I think your therapy is is, it sounds like your therapy is every single day just mm-hmm. getting up, being a little bit better and trying to make those around you better is right, yeah. the way that just watching you light up and you say, Hey, I, I go every third day. I bring it. I expect my, my, uh, crews to do the same thing. And I, and right. And I think it's because you feel, uh, maybe obligated in a way to, right. to do that.
2: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And everybody
0: is totally different too. Yeah. that's like, what's so important to recognize it's so individual like if that's how you process and that helps you that's that's awesome
2: right after after our incident we had i mean a lot of people leave a lot of people couldn't handle it mentally um i i just i process things much much different and i always have and um yeah the every day is is the kicker for me it keeps me going
1: well, that's the essence of why you're here and the essence of why we're talking about this is mm-hmm. what drives you to be better every shift. And and for you, that that your first fire. Um, wow. Thank you for sharing all this, by the way. And thank you for, um, you got grit, man. You got some grit where you just, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to improve every single day. And so I hope our listeners uh, can can really sense the passion that you have to improve and to make those around you you better. And if if you're listening to this, take a take a watch. Um, you can watch this on YouTube, and you can see just uh, you know it's not about you; it's about everybody around you and 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 making those relationships and building those relationships. And so I think everybody hopefully listening to this is going to take that and and they better start you know stepping up their game a little bit because this is all very very uh, that's why we're here, you know, like is really to, to try to improve every single day and, and use these things to inspire us, which you have. So thank you for sharing, but you're not out of the woods yet. We still got to dig a little bit more into you. Uh, you know, uh, what else kind of motivates you, drives you, makes you laugh, uh, in, in life. And we do that by putting you on the hot seat and Yay. Janelle is, uh, the, she's the, the, uh, the, the, the Colonel with the questions. And uh, comes up with these. Uh, Her mom has actually been a a great inspiration for the show. Thanks for that, mom. Along with some of our other guests. So maybe even Chief Martin might have had a hand in one of these questions. We'll see. We'll see what we got. (laughs) Fire them off uh, for us, Janelle.
0: All right, I'm gonna start with just when you are having a rough day, just standard everyday. Oh, just gotta blow off some steam. Like, do you have a go-to like hobby or something? It just really helps do reset.
2: Yes. Wind therapy. I, (laughs) that's what I call it. But, um, I ride a sports bike. Nice. nice. Mountain riding, going fast. What do you ride? I ride a Yamaha R1. Okay. Yeah.
1: And how many miles do you think you usually go?
2: Um, our mountain trips, usually about 300 miles
1: okay Uh eh, that's pretty good that's good wind yeah. therapy your weather down there helps for that though a little yes. bit too doesn't it yeah and <laughs> yes. the mountains yes yes yeah what is a bucket list item that you'd like to do um within the next year
2: hmm. i'd love to jump out of an airplane <laughs> i'd like to go skydiving. i don't know i just thought it, i think it'd be fun but um my better half does not agree with it. He he is, a, he is a pilot and doesn't think that anybody should jump out of any plane. So there's there's that.
1: Well, I love his confidence. He's like, wait a minute, I'm a pilot. I'm a good pilot. You don't need to jump out of this plane.
0: You don't need to do all, that. Right? Yeah. 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 No. yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. Let's have some fun with this one. Uh, what fictional family would you like to be a part of? Like, can you even imagine like, Yourself? Did you have a sh- TV show or a movie growing up? You just thought it was like the best family, or just would be the most fun family to be a part of? Oh
2: gosh! See, I just don't even. <laughs> I just don't even watch TV like that, and I don't even. I don't know. I entertain myself. I was even the kid outside in the woods. Like I <laughs> can't even think of anything right off the top of my head on that.
0: You know, this is two shows in a row where we've asked questions where our guests were like,
2: I'm too busy learning. I don't watch TV. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I really don't. Like I literally on the main floor in my home, I do not have a TV at all. Like if we go and watch TV, it is intentional. We go and do a family movie night and we have to go downstairs to do that. So we literally don't even have a TV in there.
1: Well, what's the favorite family movie?
2: Um, we like anything. Well, I'm, you gotta remember, I have three kids that are 10 and under. So they, they make me watch anything with, um, anything clean pretty much. <laughs> but, um, we love Finding Nemo. We watch that one over and over again, the B movie and stuff like that.
1: Cars. Is cars a good one? Oh yeah.
2: They like cars, but the mm-hmm. fire and rescue is pretty awesome. That version of it. So same actors.
1: If you had to dress in a costume for any reason, what costume are you going to
2: wear? Oh man. Well, thank God I'm working Halloween this year. So I'm going dress up as a firefighter. But <laughs> <laughs> usually we like we like to do the family ones. So like last year, the girls were cheerleaders. And then Easton, my oldest, was uh, a football player. But I was a football player too. It's so, like you got to just kind of change it up. But um, uh, my, <laughs> my goal this year was going to be to be a farmer because I have a Dalmatian. And I was going to make her a cow because it would just... <laughs> You know, be <laughs> funny. <laughs> that's
1: great. So, Chief, our final one. We uh, we like to bring this all together. How are you personally working to get better?
2: Well, um, I just finished my degree in this past May. Uh, doing that as a mom is quite the task. But um, I also understand that's a piece of paper, and I still have to continue um, learning myself and. Um, Like I said before, just continuously um, getting in conferences, understanding what other departments are doing and why they're doing it, understanding other perspectives and pushing myself um, in that, um, not necessarily pushing myself in rank like other keep pushing. (laughs) I'd like to sit still where I'm at for a little while. We'll see how long that lasts. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, just just constantly learning from other people and other people's experiences on what they do in a firehouse, what they do operationally, and see if I can apply that to, to Salisbury.
1: What's the biggest takeaway you want people to get from from your story here and from listening to this podcast?
2: So um, my, my biggest push is just having the right mindset in this career. It's not a career that you can just lay back and wait for the fire to come before you know what you're doing or before you even know if you know what you're doing. Um, getting out there, getting the reps in whenever it doesn't matter. So that when you do, when it does, you're, you're there, you're on it and you can be proud of something later.
1: I think it's awesome. That's exactly what we're about here on the Better Every Shift. Thanks so much, Chief, for sharing your story, sharing your motivation and sharing your uh, your passion to improve. Uh, for those that are listening to us, you can also view us uh, on uh, the Fire Rescue One YouTube channel. You can also email us at bettereveryshiftfirescue1.com. Please rate, review the show, share it with your crew, share it with your family and friends. Um, and in the words of the motivational and uh, inspiring Chief McCullough, make sure that you try to learn every day, improve every day build your relationships, talk to each other, and most importantly, learn something, do something, and share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening, everybody.